the book of Haggai. And um, we will read chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Hallelujah. This is Old Testament. If you don't know where Haggai is, it's right after Zephaniah. That ought to help you. Praise God. If that didn't help, Zephaniah comes after Habakkuk. We ought to be able to nail it down by now. Habakkuk comes after Nahum. Is that helping? I don't think so. Praise God. All right, how about right before Zechariah? It's in there. I promise you it's in there. Praise God. Haggai chapter 1. And we will begin with verse 1. I'm going to tell you now that I've got far, far more notes than I can hope to cover tonight if if I cover everything I intend to. There's far more here than what we've got time for. Uh, and probably than what I've got energy for. I uh, I was telling Brother Sisler before church that I I do feel like I'm starting to recuperate. Uh, I'm at least making it till about nine o'clock before I feel like I'm about to crash. And he said, "Well, don't tell the church because then they might get their hopes up." I said, "They probably don't have to. I'm probably going to crash right about nine o'clock, whether they're expecting it or not." So. Uh, we'll do what we can do tonight, and there are yet many nights ahead for us to come back and pick up on it again, talk about it again. I, I just believe there are some very important things here that I want to call to your attention. Uh, I, I tried to go back and find out exactly when it was that I covered the book of Haggai, because I'm going to pick up on some of the things that I said then, and um, our website is not uh, completely caught up in the archive of old messages, and it was evidently sometime toward the end of 2011, so it's been now um, about five and a half years since we discuss this book so I think that uh, I think we can look at some things here be reminded of some things and perhaps even pick up on a few new things along the way Haggai chapter 1 and verse 1 in the second year of Darius the king in the sixth month the first day of the month came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, is it time for you 
O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Now I'll explain all of this to you in just a moment. But I want you to see that there is a conversation that is going on. God speaking to Haggai and um, the people being quoted here by the Lord having expressed their opinion and God calls their opinion uh, into question and he begins to um, chide them if you will based on the opinion that they are holding. Verse 2, the people say, the time is not come. It's just not time yet, they said. It's just not time yet. And God then asks them a question. You don't think it's time for the prophecy to be fulfilled? I want to ask you, is it time for you just to sit back and enjoy your life while there are things that still need to be done in the kingdom of God? Hallelujah. Amen. And so the Lord says, consider your ways. Or let's think about it for a moment. Or let's talk about it for a little while. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to tell you, God, God wants to challenge us tonight. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that God is ready to do some things. And I think it's time that we wake up and realize that now is the time. Now is the time. Praise God. Hallelujah. Would you put your Bibles down? Let's talk to the Lord, everybody. Let's ask him to speak to our hearts tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's praise him together, everybody. Let's praise the Lord together. Hallelujah. Oh, God, I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You know, it is... It is an interesting thing sometimes to go back into the pages of the Old Testament and to examine 
the attitudes and the mindsets of the people who were living in that uh, age. Uh, what is amazing to me about it is how similar it is to the attitudes and the mindsets of people in every age. Uh, this, this is an interesting situation that Israel is in during the time of the prophet Haggai. And there are things that are going on in the minds and the hearts of the people as God begins to challenge them and begins to call uh, for their attention to some matters. And I'm just going to tell you, I feel like tonight in my heart and in my spirit, and I, I feel it more standing here right now than I did even in my office I'm telling you, I feel like God wants to take this ancient message from the book of Haggai and speak to this church about our situation, about where we are and what God is wanting to do. Well, hallelujah. Amen. Now, you know, Haggai is a bit unique. And uh, again, I know many of these things I covered, but as I said, it's been almost six years ago, and um, some of you were in Sunday school and didn't hear it, and some of you were in um, in uh, sound sleep and didn't hear it, and uh, hallelujah, and some of you have gotten older, as have I, and you don't remember, so let me talk to you about these things, but Haggai is a bit unique among the prophets because most of the Old Testament prophets were prophesying prior to or during the captivity of the Jewish people. But for Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, they were prophesying when the remnant had returned to Jerusalem. They had come back under the mandate of God. God had told them that they would be in captivity for a period of time, but it was not God's plan for them to stay in captivity forever. In fact, God really didn't want them in captivity in the first place, but, but they refused to obey the commandments of God, and, and God sent them there. Amen. We, we, we may get to that in a few moments. There was a specific amount of time that God said you're going to spend in captivity. And there was a reason for it. Amen. But now what we're looking at with Haggai is that we are approaching the end of that time period. And, and the prophets of the past uh, leading up to the captivity had to deal with idolatry. But I want to assure you of one thing. I'm convinced that after 70 years of exile, these people did not have a problem with idolatry. I'm convinced by the time they'd spent 70 years in Babylon and they are now back in their homeland, I don't think, Brother Sisler, that it was idolatry that they had to battle. I think they were cured of that. Well, hallelujah. I think they got that out of their system. And so Haggai's message is different. He's not crying against idolatry. But, but what he is crying against 
is people that have come to a place where they're just comfortable where they are, the way they are, and he's saying you got to get your sight set on something greater than what you've got right now. Well, hallelujah. It wasn't idolatry they were battling. It was apathy they were battling. Well, praise God. God begins to speak through Haggai to tell them that it's time to put all of your energy into the restoration of the temple. Well, hallelujah. And so this short book, it's only two chapters long, really contains four sermons that Haggai preached or four prophecies that he gave however you want to classify them and, and, and let me just tell you that as I begin to research it one of the amazing things is that it all took place sometime between August and December of the year 520 B.C. And so everything we know about Haggai, everything we know about his ministry uh, took place in a period of about six months. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, his ministry was brief. His message was short. But I'm going to tell you, his impact was phenomenal. God raised up a man at the right time with the right message and the right burden and the right vision, amen, and he was able to motivate the people of God to do what they needed to do. Well, praise God. Amen. This, this book, now stay with me for a few moments, but uh, these things are important for me to get to where I'm wanting to go, but, but this book really records one of the most crucial turning points of the divine dealings of God uh, with Jerusalem and the people of the covenant. Amen. This, this prophet Haggai began to speak to the people and to the leaders uh, though of those that had returned to Jerusalem some 16 years prior to this is when uh, the Persian Emperor Cyrus had given his decree that they needed to go back to Jerusalem and start rebuilding that city and rebuilding that temple. There were some 50,000 of them that went back under the leadership of Zerubbabel and they went to implement that proclamation that we find in the book of Ezra. They went back the house of God to restore the worship that God wanted going on in the city of Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Amen. They went back 16 years before Haggai was written. And they worked for about two years in laying the foundation. But then, but then, the devil stepped in. The enemy came around. Two years they gave it their best. For two years they worked unceasingly, untiringly. But then the enemy showed up. As you can always count 
on him doing. Amen. The adversaries hired uh, counselors to misrepresent the cause of the Jews. And uh, uh, all through the reign of Cyrus, this was going on. And then when his successor, Artaxerxes, uh, ascended the throne, they had by this time managed to bring about a complete secession of this project. Are you hearing me? They went back with the greatest of intentions. They went back with a vision and a goal. We're going to bring about a revival. It's been a while since we've had the kind of worship that we needed. And they went back with a goal on their heart. We're going to get it like God wants it to be. And they did start working on it for a little while. But the enemy, the enemy was persistent in distracting them and in discouraging them until it finally reached the point that they threw in the towel and said, forget it. We're not going to get anywhere. We're not going to do any good. And so we need to just quit. And so now, some 14 more years have drugged by. The temple remains unbuilt. The foundation is laid, but the foundation has become covered with debris. It's overgrown with weeds. And, and the Jews, the Jews that are now living there, have just come to accept it that this is the way it is and this is the way that it's going to be. Well, hallelujah. And so Haggai had a mission. He had a calling. He had a purpose from God that he was to stir up the hearts of the people and let them know the time has come. It's time to quit resting. It's time to quit dreaming. It's time to quit talking. It's time to get to work and start doing what God brought us to this moment to do. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. And so this was purpose and the calling of the prophet Haggai. Now as I said there are some four messages four discourses, four prophecies in these two chapters and uh, I don't know, I don't know how much of this we will cover, especially just in tonight's lesson, but, but let me just tell you that all of chapter one, it is his longest message. It is his longest word from God to the people and it is a call to completion. It was a message that it's time to do it now. Well, hallelujah. Let's read Haggai chapter 1 verse 2. Hallelujah. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. All right, now God, God is quoting the people 
the prophet. And God is telling the prophet. He said, I want you to understand why nothing's happening. I want you to understand why we're not seeing the temple built. It's because they've got it in their mind that it's not yet time. In God's time, it'll get done. When God gets ready, we'll get it accomplished. But until then, we might as well just come in and enjoy the scenery and just enjoy our lives and, you know, just enjoy some fellowship. It's not yet time for us to do what God's called us to do. Well, praise God. Now, now, now listen. This wasn't just something they had arrived at um, without reason. You see, the people knew the prophecy that had been made through Jeremiah in 2 Chronicles 36 and verse 21. To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoined her Sabbaths, enjoyed her Sabbaths, for as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath. Now, th this is, I'm sorry, go ahead. To fulfill three score, three score or 70 years. So, so here's what Jeremiah said in Second Chronicles. Jeremiah said, and if you go back and read the few verses leading up to it, he said, you know, the commandment of God was that every seven years you would let the land lie uh, without working it. You don't plant, you don't, you don't reap, you don't do anything. Every seventh year was what was called a sabbatical year. And the land was to be given rest on that seventh year. But what happened was 490 years, the Jews refused to give that sabbatical year to God. Now, I don't know how it came about that they uh, felt so confident that they could ignore the command of God, but I kind of got a feeling that most likely what happened was that, you know, the first sabbatical year rolled around, there was one or two guys that said, look, I really need a crop this year. I know we're supposed to, to let it rest, but, but I got, I, I got things I got to do, and I got, I got bills I got to pay, and I can't give God what belongs to him because I can't afford it this year. I, I just, in my mind, I imagine that his neighbors stood back and just waited for lightning to strike. And you know, Brother Sister, it's very possible that that year, those who refused to do what God told them to do had a bumper crop. Rather than getting punished, I just kind of feel like the devil probably stepped in and, 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 and saw to it that they got more than they'd gotten before. And in watching that, the others that had stood back said, uh, hmm, I just wonder how important this sabbatical year really is. I don't know if this is the way it took place. It's not really important to what I've got to say tonight. But something happened that for almost 500 years, they refused to give God what he asked for. And they thought God wasn't keeping track. But he was. Because you take 490 years every seventh year 
of that 490 years. That was 70 years worth of Sabbaths that uh, God said, I'm collecting it today. Now, I could really teach on tithing right about now because it's kind of the same thing, you know. Some people say, I can't afford to tithe. I got bills. I got... Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you something. You may get by with it this week, and you may get by with it next week, but you just mark this down, my friend. God has got a record book. He may not collect it from you right now, but if he doesn't, you'll wish he would have because sometimes God lets it just keep building up and then collects it all at one time. It would have been much better on those Jews had God collected at the end of that first year that they refused to let the land have its Sabbath. And then they could have been in captivity for only 12 months. But God let them get by with it for almost five centuries and then said, I'm taking everything that's mine now. So he said 70 years, 70 years. Now, at the time that Haggai first prophesied, it had not quite been 70 years. It was close, but not quite. And that's significant because I think what happened was the people got it in their mind that since it hasn't been 70 years, then there's no need in us trying. Well, hallelujah. I know this is not my normal style, but I sure feel it tonight. They, they, they got it in their mind that, you know, God said 70 years, so there's really no need in us starting the project until the 70 years have come to pass. Let me tell you, there's a problem with that. One man said they were presuming on prophecy. Whatever semblance of reason there may have been at the first, it obviously degenerated to a place where it became an excuse for negligence. Let, 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 me, let me just cut to the chase here tonight. Just because God's date was 70 years didn't mean he wanted them to wait 70 years before they started working. God wanted everything in place when that 70 years was up. Well, hallelujah. Let me tell you something, church. The prophecies of God are yea and amen. They are sure and they are certain. But our interpretation of those prophecies are not infallible. And sometimes the way we look at it may be absolutely wrong compared to the way God is looking at it. 
Well, hallelujah. Let me just tell you tonight. I want to tell you something, church. We have heard for years about what God is going to do. And now all of a sudden we've been saying, it's time, it's time, it's time. But I just feel in my heart and in my spirit there's some that are here that are sitting back saying, yeah, we've heard it for a while. It'll be time somewhere down the road. No, I'm telling you, right now, right now it's the time. This is the moment when the people of God need to arise and say, we're going to get to work. We're going to apply ourselves. We're going to do everything we can do. See, sometimes we get this, this mentality that at a certain time, it's going to happen. We don't always understand God's timing. In fact, I can tell you, we rarely understand God's timing. Paul had to deal with this the church in Thessalonica, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. He, he'd been preaching to the Thessalonians. In fact, in, in 1 Thessalonians, he preached about the coming of the Lord, and he preached it hot, and he preached it heavy, and he preached it imminent. So much so that some of them misinterpreted the prophecy. And they quit their jobs and said, well, if the Lord's coming back that soon, let's just sit here and wait on him. And so Paul had to write back, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Boy, I'll tell you, there's some people who don't know that's in the Bible. There's some people that don't know that's in the Bible. I believe in taking care of people who need us to take care of them. I don't believe in taking care of people who just want us to take care of them. Hallelujah. I'm as compassionate as the next man. Maybe more so, I don't know. You'd have to ask somebody besides myself. But I'm going to tell you what, when they come knocking on the door telling me they need money, but they reek of cigarettes and or alcohol, my response is, if you can afford that, you can afford groceries. Just, just, you know, just the way I looked at it. The apostle Paul said that if a man, if a man doesn't work, neither should he eat. Now this was the command of God. Then verse 11 he says, For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not, working at, all, not at all, but are busybodies. Uh -huh. now, them that are such, now them that are such, we command, we command and exhort, and exhort Jesus Christ, by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness, that with quietness they, work. they work. See, here's the deal. These guys had quit working and then they expected the rest of the church to provide them with food. And Paul said, if I could just put it in uh, today's vernacular, he said, just shut your mouth and go to work. Quit whining and go do something about your situation. But see, they had done this based on their interpretation of Paul's writings. This is what I'm trying to say to us tonight. Amen. It's not 
It's not up to us to decide the timing of God and when everything's going to be done. It's just our job to prepare the way and make sure it's ready whenever God gets ready. Well, hallelujah. I'm preaching to us tonight, church. I'm telling you, there is something God is ready to do for us, but we're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us. We're going to have to get a fresh vision, and we're going to have to get busy. We're going to have to start preparing things for what God is wanting to do. So Haggai, Haggai responded directly to their attitude when they said in verse 2, time's not come. It's not time yet. Seventy years haven't passed. So Haggai responds to them. Chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? And this house lie waste. Now, now, to those who claimed it wasn't time to rebuild God's house, the Lord through the prophet asked if it was time for them to dwell in their sealed houses. That word means expensive and embellished. Um, he said, how can you sit around and hang all of the decor on your walls and make sure that everything's freshly painted and make sure everything's taken care of in the house you live in while the house of God lies waste. It's a matter of perspective here. The priorities are backwards. Well, hallelujah. There's something more important than our houses. Is something more important than our welfare. Matthew 6 and 33. But seek ye first. But seek ye what? First. Seek ye what? First. Come on, I'm asking you tonight, church. Seek ye what? First. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then God's going to take care of all the things you need if you will see to the kingdom of God then God will take care of your family and your home and all of the needs that you've got if you'll put the kingdom of God first I'm going to tell you something when we move God up our list of priorities then God moves us up his list of priorities oh I feel this tonight hallelujah we are so busy trying to take care of ourselves and asking God to take care of us when God's saying there's things my kingdom needs right now if you'll get busy doing that I'll come along and make sure you've got everything you need he didn't say seek second the things that you need in fact there is no second he just said seek my kingdom and I'll take care of everything else See, the problem
prophet let the people know there are consequences for not doing what God expects us to do. Let's read on. Haggai. In fact, this is Bible study night. Your Bible ought to be open. The book of Haggai. Go back and find it again. Look around Zephaniah and Zechariah and Nahum. Find it again. Praise God. Haggai. We're in chapter 1. Now look. Verses 5 and 6. Here's what he says. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Consider your way. Let's talk about this. Let's think about this. You have sown much and bring in little. Hmm. You eat, but you have not enough. Well. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. Huh. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Now, now here's what God said. So you, you, let, let's just think about this for a moment. I brought you back to Jerusalem to rebuild my house. But you've been busy with your jobs and your families and all of the cares of life. But where has that gotten you? Has that really allowed you to prosper? Listen to me, church. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw it in because it's fresh on my mind because I was in Africa last week and, and, and I'm gonna tell you one of the biggest things they fight over there is the prosperity gospel. Which, which is a lie from the pits of hell. If you think God wants everybody rich and healthy and, uh, uh, j- just talk to the Apostle Paul and, and, and try to explain to him that he was out of the will of God or he didn't have faith in God. I'm going to tell you something. It's not always God's will for us to have every little thing we want. God said to the people here, you're so busy, you're so consumed with doing what you want to do, taking care of what you think you need to take care of. He said, but look at what it's bringing you. He said, you get out there and sow, or you plant, he's saying, and and just don't get much of a crop back. He said, you sit down to eat. The plate looks full, but when you get through, your belly's not full. He said, you you fill your cups. But it seems like no matter how much you drink, your thirst is never quenched. He said, and then you got your job and you get your salary. He said, but when you put your money in the bag, he said, there's holes in that bag. And, and you know what that means. That all the way back from the employer's office to the house, you're leaving a trail of money behind you. And when you get back home, it's not as much there as you thought there was. What happened to my money? Look, God, God is saying, in fact, when he says, consider your ways, another translation says, now the Lord all-powerful says, think about what's happening. Another, another translation says, don't you see what's happening to you? The point is that the ways that they were following was bringing about the famine that they were experiencing. 
They weren't putting God first. They were putting all of their energy into trying to take care of themselves while the things of God were neglected. And so there were consequences. Let's keep reading. Verse 9. You looked for much. You looked for much. Though it came but, to little. But you, you, you looked for much, but it came to little. And when you brought it home. And when you brought it home. I did blow it. Look at this. God said, I blew on it. Where'd it go? What happened to it? What happened to what I brought home? Why don't I have anything left? God said, I'll tell you why. I blew on it. I scattered it. I took it out of your hands. Because I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to make you realize there is something more important than your basic needs. God is saying, it's time to get your focus on my kingdom and what I have called you to this place to do. Oh, Jesus, help me tonight. I got to deliver what I'm feeling. This is burning in my heart tonight. I'm telling you, God is trying to talk to us. It's time. It's time. It's time, new life. We've got to look around. We've been hearing it for years. We've had preachers come and preach to us. But it's time, I'm telling you. We've got to get up and start doing what we've been preached to about. we got to get up and start putting it into practice. we got to start acting by what we've heard. God said, he said, you looked for much and it came to little. When you brought it home, I blew upon it. Why? Saith the Lord of hosts. Because of my house. Because my house. That is waste. Is waste. And you run every man. And you run every man. Unto his own house. To your own house. Therefore the heaven over you. That's why the heaven. Is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from and the fruit. earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought. That's on the why land. I called for a drought and on the land, and on the mountains, and on the corn, and on the new wine, and on the oil, and on everything the ground brings forth, and upon men and cattle and all of your work. God said, I'm trying to get your attention. That's why things are not going like you want them to go. I'm trying to get your attention. Oh, hallelujah. 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 God said, I've got a purpose for the famine. I've got a reason for the difficulty. I've got got a purpose behind the problems that you're facing and it's because I've got something I need you to do and you're not really doing what I ask of you. You're too busy with other things. Now listen to me. All of this stuff that God said he was doing to them because they weren't putting him first. You ever stop to think about how he promised the exact opposite if you would obey Malachi chapter 3 listen listen to how listen to how similar this is Malachi chapter 3 verses 10 and 11 bring you all the tithes into the storehouse uh-huh 
that there may be meat so there can be meat in my house and prove me prove now, me herewith saith the Lord of hosts uh -huh. if I will not if open, I will not open the windows of heaven and, and I'll pour out a blessing that there shall not that be there's room not even room now look he said you're doing what you want to do you're seeking your own good but he said everything you gather I blow on it and it's scattered but God said if you turn that around and you'll start doing what I've called you to do God said I'm going to bless you so much you don't even have room to put the blessings Verse 11. And, I will and I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he's not going to destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall the vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. God said, if you just put me first, if you'll just put me first, if you'll just put me first, God said, I'll take care of everything. I'll give you more than you could ever imagine. I'll give you more than you can handle if you'll just put me first. Yes. Hallelujah. We'll just start doing it the way God wants it done. If we'll just get busy. <sighs> Hallelujah. Brother Sisler's been preaching to us about prayer. But I'm going to tell you what I feel tonight. I'm going to tell you what I feel tonight. Some of us, we're amen in the preacher when he preaches, but it hadn't affected our prayer life. We've been preaching for years about reaching the lost and we amen it when it's preached but we're not doing any more right now to reach the lost than we've ever been doing. Look, I'm not here to get on to you tonight. I'm here to do what Haggai did. I want you to get your eyes, amen, off of your situation and recognize it's revival time in Olathe, Kansas. God is about to bring his promise to pass but we gotta get things ready. We gotta work to do we got a job to accomplish. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I know what it is. I know what it is, Brother Brandon. He meant when my wife's expecting it and, 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 and the child was going to come. We didn't wait till the baby was born to get a nursery ready. We started working on it early. We wanted everything ready. We didn't know the moment that baby would come, but we wanted to make sure everything was ready. We that's what I'm preaching. That's what I'm preaching to you tonight. It's time to get the nursery ready. It's time to get it ready. Close with this. We're nearly 
nine o'clock, and I don't want to start getting into chapter two just yet. But, but look, 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 look at your Bible, verses twelve to fifteen. I love this because this is perhaps one of the greatest testimonials recorded in all of the Old Testament prophets. One of the greatest testimonials recorded. We know Jeremiah. Jeremiah prophesied for years and convinced nobody. We know Noah prophesied for years and only got his family on board the ark. We know of others. Isaiah, we know how, how these men were treated. We know what happened to these prophets of old and the way that Ezekiel was carried off into captivity and the way that Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. But I see a revival taking place in the book of Haggai that I don't see in most of the other books. Look at verse number 12, Haggai 1 and verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all, wait a minute, with all the remnant of the people, did what? They obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people did fear before the Lord. Read. Then spake Haggai in the Lord's message saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came, and they did the work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Oh, hallelujah. One more verse. Read that next verse. That's important. It doesn't sound like much, but it's important. In the four and twentieth day. In the four and twentieth day of the sixth month. Now the people obeyed on the twenty-fourth day of the sixth month. Haggai had begun his prophecy on the first day of the sixth month. So in just more than three weeks time, everything turned around. Something was stirred up in the heart of the people. It took them about three weeks of listening to some preaching, but something started happening. Something started changing. Something started taking place. And the people said, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's time to go to work. It's time to start doing what we're called to do. Oh, let's praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Come on, let's praise the Lord. Oh, 
Oh, God, stir something in our hearts. Stir something in our hearts. I want us to walk out of this place, not just hearing another message about how we need to pray, but something burning in our hearts that calls us to a prayer room. I want us to walk out of here, not just stirred about reaching the lost, but get up in the morning looking for somebody that we can bring to the house of God. Let's have a revival. Let's have a revival. Let's have a revival. Oh God. He cut a rabashanalabahaya. He tarayana labohosoto rayana. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Oh, something's got to happen in our hearts. Something's got to transpire in our spirits. Amen. That moves it. Amen. From where we're not just a hearer of the word, but we are doers of what we're hearing. Oh, hallelujah. There's a temple to be built. There's a job to be done. There's a work to be accomplished. And God's not going to do it for us. He's calling us to get out there and get busy doing what he put us in the church to do. And I'm telling you, when we start doing what he asked us to do, he's going to start doing more than what we've asked him to do. That's the way God works. What, what, what did you say the other night? He's a liberal God. He's a liberal God. He's going to give us more than we ever imagined if we'll just do what he asks us to do. I'm telling you, church, this building is not big enough for what God wants to do for us. There's not enough room in these four walls for what God wants to send. But we're not waiting on him anymore. He's waiting on us. Come on, let's worship him. Let's worship him. Come on. Is there anybody here that will answer the call of the Lord tonight? Is there anybody in this place that will say, All right, Jesus, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm ready, God. Here am I. Send me. I want to do something for you, Jesus. I want to do something for you, Jesus. I'm going to let you take care of my needs. I'm going to 
so that you take care of my situations. I want to be 